All right, folks, before we get to the main thing, I want to let you know that this episode of Oil & Gas Upstream is made possible by our good friends at Technip FMC. Now, you probably know them for their subsea business, but did you know that Technip FMC is doing fantastic things for the industry at the surface? The latest innovation is called Emission. And Emission will let you monitor and control vapor pressure in real time. To learn more, visit technipfmc.com. Oil and gas production is the union of natural systems with advanced science and complex engineering. Smart people across the globe create this remarkable place we call Upstream, and each day brings a new challenge. This is the Oil and Gas Upstream podcast, where we look at how these systems come together and learn from the people who make it happen. Welcome to Oil and Gas Upstream. I'm Elena Melkert, your host. Some of you know me as the former director for Department of Energy Oil and Gas Upstream Research. I retired from DOE just over a year ago and founded a small consultancy and became a podcast host. We have a great guest for you today, but I hope, but before I introduce today's guest, I want to thank Technique FMC, our sponsor. And I want to ask you to do me a big favor by answering a one question survey. It takes about 10 seconds and the link is in the show notes. In return, we will happily send you some stickers for your laptop or your hard hat or your kids. So now I'd like to introduce our guest, Joe Navarre. Joe is the founder and CEO of Mesquite Technologies, an artificial lift oil production equipment company in Austin, Texas. Joe earned his bachelor's in mechanical engineering from UT Austin and began his career at Cameron designing wellheads for for surface and offshore applications. He later earned his MBA from Rice University and entered the artificial lift space at Weir Oil & Gas. Joe recognized an opportunity for improvement in the artificial lift market and formed Mesquite Technologies in 2020 to provide a new and innovative approach to production. New and innovative approach to production. Well, that's exciting. Well, what is the old-fashioned kind of out of date that now now we want to do it differently, Joe? Say hello to everybody and then tell us about your company and your technology. Thanks, Elena. Uh, Definitely happy to be here. And uh, the old and antiquated is just that. Yeah, we uh, we've certainly recognized an, an opportunity in the artificial lift space uh, to really uh, modernize some of the production equipment that is out there. Uh, there's there have been great advancements in technology, not just on the iron and steel manufacturing front, uh, but also on the digital aspect, where devices are now connected so easily and in a very cost effective manner. Uh, where it it just makes sense to couple those two features on a uh, on a hardware and software aspect and drive more intelligent production. More intelligent production. So, what kind of data are we talking about, and is it actually going to end up in this whole artificial intelligence space and data analytics and big data? Absolutely. Absolutely. You certainly hear a lot of the the buzzwords like that, artificial intelligence, machine learning. Uh, 
ultimately every oil well as it's producing is emitting uh, massive amounts of data. You can be talking about temperature readings, pressure readings, uh, even loads if you're pushing or pulling on components, rotational data, all that can actually be collected and analyzed. But you're talking about hundreds of thousands of wells in the United States alone. Uh, you're talking about massive, uh, massive algorithms needed to actually analyze this data and provide useful analysis and uh, eventual recommendations. There are a lot of uh, kind of a lot of solutions out in the marketplace at this point that do provide some very significant recommendations for improved production. However, at Mesquite Technologies, we're taking that a step further and incorporating intelligent control into our devices such that we not only uh, utilize machine learning to detect uh, any anomalies in your production, but also incorporate action, live action on the well uh, through actuated equipment, such as uh, actuated stuffing boxes or blowout preventers that might prevent a leak in real time without uh, actual human intervention required. Okay, that's great. So um, just to be fair, though, some of our audiences, um, they're not experts in subject, they're not subject matter experts in upstream. So um, take us back to um, contrast for them, um, production, um, yeah. natural production, and then why you need artificial lift, and then what some of the mechanical features are of um, that artificial lift and then where your technology fits in. Just build that whole chain for us and, and I'll learn too. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, so yes, as you mentioned, we are in uh, upstream oil and gas. There's upstream, midstream, downstream, and uh, really in the, in the macro aspect of it, upstream is really where you're at on the exploration and extraction process. Midstream is more of your transportation and then downstream is more of your refinery level. So by us being in the upstream aspect, you're you're really talking about your drilling completions and production phases. Uh, when folks come in and drill a well, uh, you're really tapping into a very high pressure reservoir uh, for any kind of hydrocarbon type of fluid. It could be oil or gas. Now, this high pressure actually assists in getting that fluid back up to surface naturally. Uh, such that folks drill a well and achieve natural flow production. Uh, typically, folks have a series of valves to control this production, but really over time, the reservoir downhole starts to decrease in pressure. And ultimately, you get to a point where there's just not enough pressure downhole to get that fluid back up to surface. That's where artificial lift comes into play. You have a couple of... Uh, so let me interrupt you for just half a second here. So a couple of things that you said, I just want to clarify for people because I get this question all the time. So no, there is not a tank in the subsurface and under the ground. It is a reservoir that's comprised of pore space and has some permeability. So the fluid can flow from pore to pore to pore. And the, uh, so that's, so it's not a tank. And then the other feature has to do with the pressure, the reservoir pressure that Joe talked about. So if you go swimming to the bottom of a swimming pool and you can feel that pressure on your ears on the deep end, that's the pressure we're talking about, the weight of the water above you. And so as the reservoir is depleted, that column of fluid above your head 
would be decline would be decreasing, and so the pressure would go down, kind of moving from the shallow end of the pool, I mean the deep end of the pool to the shallow end of the pool. And that's the reservoir pressure that eventually is depleted and it can't uh, support uh, natural flow to the surface. Okay, take take it back again, Dad Joe. No, Next that up. is that is spot on. That is spot on. Uh, yeah, so ultimately when your your pressure does actually deplete down in that reservoir, I like to refer to these reservoirs more as sponges, if you will, uh, really just containing some of that fluid. And uh, ultimately your, your localized uh, extraction within that sponge uh, depletes, uh, your pressure depletes there. But uh, ultimately we move into what is called artificial lift production. Uh, which is reintroducing pressure down into that reservoir, into that void in which you are, uh, in which there is oil, or well, in our case, it is oil. Uh, and you have three major. Oh, that's not good. Uh, you have a few different forms of uh, artificial lift. Uh, you can either uh, you can either utilize electrical submersible pumps, gas lift or rod lift as some of the major forms of artificial lift. Now, taking a little bit of a deeper dive into each one of those, electrical submersible pumps are quite frankly very similar to what you might witness on a water fountain. You have a pump that is submerged in the fluid and it is actuated or uh, actually energized via an electrical feed coming all the way back up to surface such that you can turn it on and turn it off. And it is actually uh, a fountain of oil production. Uh, there is also gas lift that uh, you in incorporate a pump down into your reservoir and you uh, actuate that pump by utilizing gas uh, in which you pump gas back down, actuates your pump, and that in turn uh, provides sufficient pressure down in your reservoir to uh, get back to production. And then there's rod lift, where you have a pump downhole, and it is actuated repeatedly through a rod pump, uh, a series of steel rods coming back up to surface. There are a couple of different compounds now on these polished rods, but ultimately, it is a mechanically driven pump downhole. If you've ever driven around West Texas, you've probably seen the pumping units going up and down, or basically anywhere across the Midcon or North Dakota. But ultimately, uh, artificial lift is primarily driven by rod lift globally. Um, now, this is a very highly mechanical means of introducing pressure downhole. Uh, any kind of mechanical means typically leads to a lot of failure modes. Things that move tend to break. So uh, whether it's downhole, there's been a lot of innovation on uh, new pumping techniques uh, with the pump that's actually submerged in your production fluid. Uh, but at surface, we've kind of been stuck in time. Uh, the overall surface equipment that you see mounts on the original wellhead or the well from day one. But ultimately, the type of equipment you end up seeing is very manually driven. There are a couple of different key products here. There's a product called a blowout preventer. You've probably heard of blowout preventers really on the drilling side of the business. Uh, there are actually blowout preventers for production as well. Much smaller scale, but effectively, 
these blowout preventers allow you to control any pressure coming up from that well bore, whether you're sealing off that well bore for uh, frack protection, if there's a neighboring well that is fracked, or if you're uh, coming in to replace some seals on the well. I'll make another note on frack protection shortly. Uh, but then there are also stuffing boxes. Stuffing boxes tend to be the final plug for the very top of the well. It's a series of seals that actually seal around that polish rod we were just discussing that goes all the way down hole to energize your downhole pump uh, and also seal off any uh, produced oil from just spraying out through the top of your well. So it does act as the top cap for your producing well. And since we are dealing with a highly mechanical means of actuation, like this polish rod going all the way down hole, we also have what's called a rod rotator. Uh, your polish rod is actually going through an entire tubing string that is installed all the way into your well. And the polish rod tends to interface uh, all day, every day with the interior of this tubing, such that there's a lot of friction that is caused there. A lot of very highly concentrated wear. And if you don't actually rotate your polish rod string, it can lead to some eventual failure uh, in the form of just uh, losing material inside your tubing and creating a hole or uh, losing material on your polish rod and eventually just having a fracture and fall down hole. So those are a couple of key assemblies out there in the, in the rod lift space. But the, these assemblies have really not had a lot of uh, uh, design innovation uh, incorporated into them over the last 30, almost 40 years now. Not a lot of change has occurred. Historically, they've been highly commoditized, if you will. Now, folks uh, often associate artificial lift with low pressure, uh, which is absolutely true. You're typically producing in rod lift at a few hundred PSI. Uh, to put that into perspective, your tire probably has anywhere from 30 to 50 PSI. Your rod lift well would be producing at about 200 or 300 PSI. That's pounds per square inch. Typically on uh, hydraulic fracturing applications going well into the very beginning of your well, you're looking at pressures of 10,000 or 15,000 PSI. Now, earlier we were talking about where artificial lift sits in the grand scheme of things. Uh, while we are at the very tail end of production on well, we are uh, accessing a reservoir that is also accessible to other wells in a, in a local shale play. Uh, so if, if I'm an operator on West Texas and I have four wells near each other, a few of them might actually be uh, communicating with each other through the same reservoir. While these, or as mentioned earlier, these reservoirs are very porous, such that if there's a very mature well uh, on the acreage that is an artificial lift, and there's a new well being hydraulically fractured, uh, accessing that same reservoir, you can actually see pressure communication coming back up through the, produ the production tubing for that low pressure well. In many instances, we've actually seen pressures as high as 4,000 or 4,500 PSI on wells that typically never exceed 1,000 PSI in production. So 
the United States and well, North America that we're sitting on a very unique uh, uh, geological formation here. Uh, the shale plays are very unique in that uh, there is quite a bit of accessibility to these reservoirs with oil and gas. However, that production, uh, the rate of decline for your production pressure is exponential here, such that the uh, the actual nature of our business here is to continuously drill new wells and frack new wells repeatedly to maintain a high level of production, uh, such that more and more we're seeing a lot of frack pressure communication on these uh, low pressure producing wells. Wow, you really shared a, you really shared a lot of good information there. So, um, what? Uh, one of the earliest uh, experiences I had was to work in a an oil field in which the um, there were several zones, production zones, and um, the shallowest zone was called the shallow oil zone, and it was dead oil. There was like very little. Pr- I mean, it was pound, It was tens of pounds of pressure. It was not hundreds of pounds of pressure, and that was certainly on out of artificial list. And what had happened there, obviously, was that all of the gas had escaped. It was shallow, and all the gas escaped. Not far from that location, that where that uh, field was located, was actually surface oil. This is outside of Bakersfield, California, which is just yeah. a pro- prolific area. Uh, and um, and then another reservoir, not from far from there, was uh, the oil was close to the surface, like less than a thousand feet, and um, it was basically tar <laughs> inside of a, a you know, um, it, as a laminate uh, of uh, in one of the um, layers of rock, and so so a lot. So they used a lot of steam heat right. to to pull that out, and of course that was all certainly on a rod pump. Um, production. So, so, okay, that, that's really great. And, and so, um, yeah, I guess there's a lot of new wells that have been drilled in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, and well, slowing down now, obviously, but, um, certainly lots of wells in the unconventional space because yeah, the internet, the initial production is very high, but then it falls off in a couple of years. You're just basically asymptotic to zero. And so you just want to drill some more wells. And so that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of mechanical wear, a lot of pumps. So, okay. Absolutely. So that, that's, that's great that you've shared that um, story for us. So, oh, so now tell us about your technologies and how that uh, comes into play. You told us at the beginning, but now that we understand a little bit more about artificial lift, help us understand uh, the benefits um, that people would have in production right. by using this new technology. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Since, uh, since we did, uh, start the organization two years ago. Uh, we were already in the the thick and uh, I guess beyond the overall frack boom that we've had here in the United States, such that it is quite normal and, and understood that we are going to be experiencing high pressures, even on these traditionally low pressure wells, uh, such that from day one, our Mesquite Technologies products have been specifically designed and engineered to sustain high pressure situations. Uh, but also maintain an ease of operational maintenance uh, for the rest of the normal operation of the well. And by uh, 
operation and maintenance, really, you have a lot of elastomeric components, uh, rubber goods, uh, sealing off uh, various aspects of, of the equipment. And uh, there's certainly quite a bit of wear that takes place with that polish rod reciprocating continuously throughout your equipment, such that there are times where you need to come in and replace seals. We were highly focused on uh, just maintenance simplicity on our end. Uh, however, considering your pressure ranges can vary significantly, really from your normal operating pressures of 200, 300 PSI up to anywhere just under 5,000 PSI, uh, we certainly understood that there are opportunities to create uh, trap pressure within these components where uh, if somebody is unsuspecting, comes in and uh, attempts to open any fitting in a void that might uh, might actually be pressurized on the other side, it presents a significant safety concern out there such that uh, we did, we ended up designing and incorporating a couple of features into our equipment, such as vent ports to safely monitor and be able to operate your equipment uh, or simply monitor and, and also verify uh, pressure integrity of your seals prior to operating your equipment at all or performing any maintenance function. Uh, an example here would be like our blowout preventers. Uh, typically, the industry standard does not necessarily have monitoring voids in, uh, in a rod lift application blowout preventer. Uh, what we've ended up doing is isolating a couple of different chambers within our own BOP uh, and uh, incorporated some vent fittings such that before operating your drive pins, opening or closing, the uh, sealing elements of your of your BOP, you're able to ensure that you do not have pressure right where your hand will actually be operating a manually driven screw prior to operation. Uh, a feature like that, we're actually uh, starting to enhance and take a, a bit further by also incorporating some more remote monitoring through pressure transducers. Uh, we certainly feel that somebody should not need to be at the well and physically open up a vent port to understand whether or not they have pressure on the other side uh, of this specific equipment, such that by incorporating pressure transducers instead of these key voids in which we're monitoring, we're looking to uh, improve the overall safety for our operators that are going out on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, trying to tackle a, a series of well maintenance concerns such that they now are able to anticipate or understand what uh, wells need attention prior to the other ones and start to basically uh, uh, basically more efficiently plan their schedules on a daily basis. So um, I think I did fall off here a little bit. So your technology is not a pumping unit. Your Correct. technology is not a um, polished rod, a uh, sucker rod. It yep. is. What is it? And where does it fit in? Help right. Blowout so preventer, it, I heard that. So I got yep, that. Yep. Uh, it, it can actually be summed up as the production equipment mounted to the top of a wellhead. Uh, oh, okay. Now, going, into, going back into the primary forms of artificial lift, you do have rod lift, gas lift, and ESP. And at each one of those forms, 
you have the same wellhead, which is there from day one on the drilling side of things all the way through completions. But above that wellhead, there are a couple of different adapters and a couple of different pieces of equipment for each of the major forms of artificial lift, such that if you are producing an ESP, there's a certain series of valves and a surface penetrator that comes through your wellhead. At a certain point, you end up having to pull your ESP pump and shift over to a different form of artificial lift, such that that entire upper production section is removed. And then you come in with, say, the Mesquite Technologies equipment, which is intended for rod lift applications. Rod blow preventers, stuffing boxes, that all mounts onto the same wellhead. And then you bring in your pumping unit and, and operate your downhole pump. Great. Okay. So when we talked about um, um, software and that whole end of it, what is the software do for us? Right. Right. So Mesquite Technologies actually started off with a focus on the rod lift space. But uh, ultimately, we do have those various forms of production, whether ESP, gas lift or rod lift. And our overall vision of the long term is to provide the mechanical equipment across those lift types. And uh, but ultimately, the key there is to incorporate intelligent control aspects uh, mm-hmm. from uh, from the very get go. We understood that we needed to get to actuated equipment for remote control, not just remote visibility, but remote control of a well site. And uh, uh, over the last couple of months, we actually came across an organization that specialized in machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, The company was originally out of California, relocated to Austin, where we're headquartered. And uh, we, we started taking a deeper dive and finding that we had very complementary products and services. And ultimately we recently acquired uh, Osprey data and Osprey data specializes in machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence uh, for production optimization across the various lift types. Uh, Typically you might find optimization software suited for one type of lift type, but ultimately what we wanted to do was get to a point where you have very consistent platform in which you might be viewing and controlling an ESP well, and it looks and feels the exact same way if you need to make modifications or uh, make any analysis on a rod lift well, for example. Uh, So, okay, that's great. So um, I'm getting the better uh, feel for it. And with respect to the safety aspects that you were sharing, uh, you wouldn't want an operator to kind of go in and be exposed to some high pressure situation. And so how would that, how would the, uh, how would your technologies and systems again, tell us again about how that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So since we already have these uh, detection and monitoring voids built into our mechanical equipment, uh, we can actually come in and retrofit any previously installed Mesquite Technologies product or even the new products going out for new installations and incorporate sensors onto these products. Uh, we, we do have an offering that uh, links us up into our, uh, well, what is now called the Taproot platform, which uh, is ultimately a cloud-based platform that incorporates any data feeds coming in. Uh, we are able to monitor pressure, temperature, load, and uh, effectively 
create either alerts if there is a temperature or a uh, pressure concern or a load concern, or ultimately uh, drive an action on the intelligent control equipment that's actually installed on location. Uh, an example would be, again, that blowout preventer. Uh, if there is a significant spike in pressure and uh, the nearest technician for an operator is an hour and a half, two hours away, uh, instead of having to rush over there and find a, a pool of uh, lost oil, uh, Taproot can simply engage the, the actuators on that blowout preventer and shut in the well safely without the need for any kind of uh, any kind of personnel intervention. Now, it does also alert folks of what's going on because you typically want to know that. Uh, but the fact that we're able to drive more intelligent control associated with the monitoring aspect uh, is, is certainly what, what presents much more of a benefit for an operator instead of simply getting an alert and sweating for about an hour and a half to two to see what you're going to find. Right, right, right. Oh, that's great. Okay, I'm getting it now. So um, uh, some of the data that can be um, captured from the wellhead, does that include production data or production or some insights about what's going on uh, in the reservoir that's manifested in, you know, what you're seeing at the surface? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this is uh, certainly not just, uh, it's not just geared towards the mesquite specific equipment. Uh, some of the data you can actually collect is really more at the field level. Uh, you can certainly monitor the performance of your downhole pump, whether it's a rod pump, uh, gas lift pump, or an ESP pump. Uh, start uh, detecting anomalies uh, based on that performance by really region. Uh, Permian production differs from Bakken production, which differs from Midcon. Uh, now, we've actually, uh, through the acquisition, we've actually picked up nine years worth of machine learning uh, data and intelligence such that our model uh, detects anomalies with a very high accuracy at this point, uh, such that we can actually start to anticipate what failure mode we'd start seeing uh, ahead of time on these downhole pumps. Uh, ends up being highly beneficial for operators looking to maximize their uptime and minimize those surprises. Uh, other data you could certainly start tying into would, uh, would be down your flow line and into some of this surface production equipment like uh, your separators and any battery tanks you've got on location. So the, the software is, is truly a comprehensive uh, field uh, platform for operators. Now, we are focused right on the wellhead because this tends to be the gateway for data going downhole and coming up to surface. But ultimately, the the true power of the software and the monitoring aspect and, and really eventual machine learning aspect is compiling a, a big picture for what is going on at, at the field level for an operator, not a specific piece of equipment. Oh, man, that's great. That is so um, helpful uh, at a minimum. See, my, my days in the field were a long time ago before computers. And so having to diagnose a well uh, or a region, if you will, or even a reservoir or, you know, just a whole, a whole zone 
um, was one well at a time, collecting data from one well at a time, hoping you could get some understandings about it. Oh, oh, I've got two wells. And does uh, is there anything uh, related to produced water or water cut or sand or water or sand or anything? Absolutely. That, yeah, yeah. Give us a little feel for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, whenever you've got water cut or even sand coming into into your pumps and overall your your production fluid, it certainly creates uh, anomalies in your typical production data that you're seeing, whether it's uh, flow rates or even overall vibrations in your system, such that if you can think of any kind of sensor, we can certainly collect that kind of information and uh, start creating uh, models around it. One of the sensors that's always been uh, intriguing to me is, has been around the acoustics side of things. And uh, your your overall production actually has a lot of natural frequency built into it where it's quite easy to detect when something is is off deviating from your natural frequency and you're, and you're producing well, such that uh, any sharp increases in, in sand output coming through you tend to have a couple of different failure modes, but ultimately erosion wears all these mechanical components and, and that ends up being picked up in the data and the software. Uh, one of the key elements in the software is, is the fact that you're, you're able to uh, anticipate well ahead of, of time prior to the actual failure occurring, such that the moment that anomaly is detected, you really have anywhere from a few days to potentially even two weeks at which it, starts uh starts growing as as a more uh concerning uh concerning failure mode but the the detection actually occurs quite early when when that natural flow of your well is is altered by an anomaly yeah yeah sometimes you get uh information data or something and you're not sure you believe it um how do you work through that little piece of it Exactly. Yes. Uh, so machine learning is basically a game of probabilities, if you will. Uh, you you might have a 50-50 shot and guessing something right. Uh, the key element here is that you take a guess and then you confirm that the guess was either right or wrong. And then you repeat that a couple of million times until your probabilities improve drastically. Uh that's obviously done through computing now. Uh, if if you're if you're going to do that 20, 30 years without this kind of computing capacity, it would probably be a nightmare. Uh, but uh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nowadays we're able to uh, run models, collect data, confirm the data, and feed the model in return, such that the next time we detect a similar anomaly, it's quite likely that same type of failure. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, the the data that is compiled in that Taproot uh, platform really is, is a combination of nine years of data collection and verification from uh, not just going out and, and letting folks know, hey, you might have a problem here. Uh, ultimately, yeah, we're, we're working through key partnerships with, with operators out there to receive that feedback and improve the the accuracy of the model, but it is a feedback loop that is very critical. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you certainly have um, helped uh, with the sophistication of the modern oil field, trying to give us the information in a more timely basis, give us some more options for um, decisions and insights about the decisions that we can make in order to just get the very uh, the best amount of oil, the best um, value proposition. And so that's a, a wonderful contribution that, that your company is making to uh, modern oil and gas uh, production. So. Well, I was looking at your bio earlier, and it says that you enjoy running by the lake in Austin or going on hikes in the hills surrounding town, probably with your two dogs, um, Charlie and Herman. Did I get that right? Yep. Yep. You got that right. (laughs) And I can see behind you, you've got a couple of jerseys framed, number 10 and number 12. What is that all about? Right, right. So number 10 is Vince Young. Uh, national champion here at, at UT. And oh. number 12 is Colt McCoy. And actually, it's been about 12 years since since we've had decent quarterback play. But that's that's a side topic here. Uh, <laughs> Some but, would say those are fighting words, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's been it's been a painful time. But but I think uh, I think we're getting back to being on track. Uh, yeah, we're we're actually headquartered out here in Austin. I uh, actually did my undergrad out here and uh, just fell in love with the city. And uh, actually the two dogs are named after uh, previous coaches at the university of Texas. Okay, (laughs) great, great. Well, you know, we're at the end of our time, but I couldn't let you get away without asking you about that, especially since you've got those jerseys framed so nicely. So very (laughs) nice, very nice. Well, Joe, um, we're about the end of our um, uh, recording here. Do you have anything you'd like to share with people that we didn't get to talk about? I I made you get pretty technical there and stay there for a little while, but I did did want to make sure that we understood, you know, what exactly you were talking about. So what, do you, what are your thoughts about the future of upstream, future of oil and gas, technology? Um, you know, do you have things you want to share that you think about? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, I think the, the future of just overall energy generation is, is something that is becoming more uh, increasingly critical uh, as, uh, as resources get strained and, uh, and Ultimately, folks need reliable forms of energy production, and uh, ultimately, you need a very intelligent form to optimize your overall production output uh, versus what you're you're putting into your assets. Uh, I'm very excited about the future of 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 oil and gas, where we're going. I think folks are actually adopting new technology, new techniques, and uh, and are much more excited to try out new things and kind of break out of that norm, which, uh, which just leads to more innovation and more efficiency in the space. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely very excited about, uh, where, where it's all going. And, and, I'm I'm hoping that Mesquite Technologies continues to put out some innovation that folks can try out and, and provide some feedback on and grow their production output. And yeah, at the same time. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. I'm very excited about oil and gas as well. And I just uh, love sharing with um, people who are outside of the oil and gas sector, just how sophisticated the oil and gas sector is. It's, you know, we don't have gushers anymore. We still need that energy and, uh, but we don't have gushers anymore. This isn't the old, uh, the ancient times, I guess I want to say we've got a lot of new technologies and the fact that we cannot see what we are working on, 
um, makes it especially challenging. So we've got the same challenges possibly as uh, going to the moon, but they can see what they're doing and we can't. So we, exactly. I love the new uh, technology, especially the artificial intelligence. It give us so much more insights. And I said this um, to someone else is the notion of the more we can maximize the use of uh, uh, comp- computational capabilities, then it frees up our best computer, which is our brain, to do some of those, uh, not calculations, but just to sort of dream in ways that can't, machines can't. And that frees us up to do that. And that's where new innovations are going to come from. So, well, yeah, I'm so in. Thank you. I've so enjoyed talking with you. This is, this is great. Um, I'm going to have to let you go now. I, I appreciate all of your time. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on today. Thanks a lot, Elena. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Joe Navarre of Mesquite Technologies, thanks so much for being our guest today and sharing all about your contributions to oil and gas upstream. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please give us a review and tell us what you'd like to hear uh, on our show and what you'd like to hear more about in future podcasts. This is Elena Melkert, your host for Oil & Gas Upstream. More next time. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Upstream podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.